Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We always appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. Let me remind you again of the website. Easy to remember if you know the name of the program, BibleCrossfire.com. You can go there and ask me a Bible question, maybe offline when the program's not going on. Ask me over email. It has a place for you to click. It automatically sends me an email to ask me a Bible question or make a comment. Talk to me about the Bible. You can listen, go there and listen to old programs all the way back to July 2015. You can sign up for our online Bible correspondence course, a great way to learn the Bible at your own pace. No human interaction. It's all done online. Or you can, if you'd like the human interaction, and this is what I really recommend, you sign up for a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime when it's convenient for you. You can sign up there. You just, you sign up. We have a phone Bible study. Uh, when it's convenient for you, one hour free of charge. Do that. As the announcer said, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. And you can go on the air right now. The lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about repentance. Luke, Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, if there's one thing that teaches is, is that we're going to perish spiritually unless we repent. Repentance is always necessary to avoid perishing spiritually. Repentance is always necessary to be forgiven of sin. You know, that applies to a person becoming a Christian. It also applies to a person who's already a Christian. When he sins, he's got to repent in order to be forgiven. But let's talk about that first point first. You've got to repent in order to become a Christian. One passage that helps us to see that is Acts 2.38. There Peter told believers, now get it, these are already believers in Christ. Some people say, well, all you got to do to be saved is believe. Well, then why did Peter tell them, these believers, to repent and be baptized? Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you're saved right when you believe, why did he tell these believers to repent and be baptized to get their sins remitted? That didn't make any sense. So what we learn from this passage that comes up a lot is that you, when you're baptized, all your sins that you've ever committed are washed away. You become a Christian. You're born again. But that baptism isn't going to do you any good unless you repent first. It doesn't just say be baptized for the remission of sins. It says repent and be baptized for the remission of sins grammatically, both of those things have to be done in order to get the remission of sins. Well, repentance, what does that mean? A lot of people define it this way. I think it's a really good definition. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. For example, here's a person that's living in adultery and he wants to repent, say he's in an unscriptural marriage. How does he repent? It's a change of mind leading to a change of action. He cannot say, I'm sorry, and plan on continue to stay in that relationship and committing adultery regularly. So when a person becomes a Christian, he's got to repent before he's baptized or the baptism won't do any good. He's got to make up his mind, make a commitment to change his life in regard to sin. He's going to quit serving sin. He's going to start serving Christ and start living righteously. After he's baptized, God expects him to follow through on that commitment. So to become a Christian, one has to repent of their sins or they're not going to be forgiven. It wouldn't matter how many times a person got baptized. I mean, we have some churches like the Catholic Church, they baptize babies, but those babies can't repent of their sins. They don't have any sins to repent of anyway. They can't repent and be baptized. 
They don't have the capability to repent. No, we're talking about people who have become mature, old enough to be responsible for their sins so that they need to repent. They have to repent and be baptized, immersed as believers in order to receive the remission of sins. So to become a Christian, you have to repent. We see the same thing in Acts 3.19. There, Peter told another similar audience, Jews that had crucified Christ. He says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. What does he say? Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. It's not enough just to believe to get your sins blotted out. You got to repent and be converted to get your sins blotted out. So what that would mean, just to be frank, is if you don't repent, your sins aren't going to be blotted out. If you're planning on continuing to live in your sin, your sins won't be blotted out. Now, does the repentance, is that the thing that actually does the trick? No, it's not the thing that actually pays for the remission of your sins. It's just like belief. Belief doesn't earn your salvation. It's the death of Christ, the blood of Christ that earns your salvation. The question is, when does the blood of Christ blot your sins out? When does the blood of Christ uh, allow you to get the remission of sins? When you repent, when you're baptized, when you repent and are converted, then the blood of Christ washes away your sins and not before. Well, we mentioned, uh, we mentioned about, uh, about becoming a Christian and then about uh, after you are a Christian. So when a person repents and becomes a Christian, he's making commitment that he's going to live life differently. But we all know that nobody lives perfectly. Hopefully, as a Christian, you're going to live a lot better than you used to. But you're still going to sin every now and then, hopefully rarely. What do you do then? Do you have to go back and be rebaptized every time you sin? No, but you do have to repent. Notice Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. He believed and he was baptized. Acts 8, 12 and 13, just like the other Samaritans. He was saved. But then he went into sin. What did Peter tell him in Acts 8, 22? Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart they may be forgiven thee. Simon, as a Christian, sinned. Did he have to go back and be rebaptized? No, I already said he didn't. As a Christian, all he had to do was repent, pray to God, and ask him to be forgiven. And as a Christian, he had the right to pray. He repents and asks God to forgive him in prayer. God will forgive him. But he had to repent. Peter said, repent, if perhaps the thought of that in the heart may be forgiven thee. Have to repent to be forgiven. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Same thing with 1 John 1, 9. It's written to Christians, people who've already been baptized, people who've already been born again, people who are already Christians. What about if they sin? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is willing to forgive us of all our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as a Christian, if we do what? If we confess. If a person's not willing to confess his sins, if he's not willing to turn from his sins, God's not going to be willing to forgive him. Did Jesus die for him? Yes. Jesus died for the atheist, but the atheist doesn't believe. He doesn't take advantage of the death of Christ. Jesus tasted death for every man, Hebrews 2, verse 9. Not just the saved, not just the elect, everybody, but the people who aren't saved, they don't take advantage of it. Even a Christian, he's been forgiven at one point, but now he refuses to confess his sins. He ref Act, uh, 1 John 1, 9, Acts 8, 22, refuses to repent of his sins. He's not going to be forgiven. Again, 
Jesus died for him, but he's not going to take advantage of it because he's unwilling to turn from his sins. Now, did he take advantage of it at one time? Yeah, he's a Christian. He was forgiven of all his sins. And when as a believer, he repented and he was baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. Now, as a Christian, he goes back into sin and he's not willing to repent of it. He goes back on his commitment. He's not going to be forgiven, according to 1 John 1, 9. That big little word, if, shows that. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. You know, we've been talking about only New Testament passages. And we're not under the Old Testament anymore, but I think it would be valuable to go and show what the Old Testament taught on this same thing. So sin was not necessarily defined the same way in the Old Testament. Sin is a transgression of God's law. Under the Old Testament dispensation, it was defined by the Old Testament law. Under the New Testament dispensation, it's defined by the law of Christ, the New Testament law. But I want to show you that in the Old Testament, when they sinned, when they violated their law, they had to repent, just like we do. How about Ezekiel 18.21? It says, but if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. So here's a person that's wicked. What does he have to do to be forgiven? If he'll turn from all of his sins. In other words, he has that change of mind that leads to a change of action. He turns from his sins. And he starts keeping God's statutes. And he does that which is lawful and right. He will surely live. He will not die. Well, how about another passage in the Old Testament? I like this one, Proverbs 28, 13. We all talk about God's mercy and we want God's mercy. And he is so very merciful. I heard a sermon today about how to balance uh, conviction and mercy. We got to balance that. We got to have conviction. We got to show mercy. And we're so glad that God shows mercy. But does he show mercy even if we don't repent? No. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So if you try to cover your sins, you won't be forgiven of of them. You won't prosper. But if you confess your sins and you forsake your sins, you'll have mercy. People say, well, doesn't God show mercy on everybody? Even people who, who are not trying to follow him? Even people who are not willing to repent? No. The Bible consistently says, he who confesseth and forsaketh them, talking about his sins, shall have mercy. Don't think when you repent of your sins, you deserve forgiveness. You don't. You don't deserve it, deserve it at all. When you repent and get forgiveness, it's based upon the blood of Christ. Then that's mercy. God is showing mercy on to, to you. He doesn't have to forgive you because you repent. When he forgives you, he's showing mercy. But he only shows mercy on those who confess and forsake their sins. Now, you might want to argue with me, but you'd just be arguing with God. I mean, it's God that says you've got to confess and forsake your sins to have mercy. I didn't write that. If you believe the Bible, that's what you're going to believe. Now, you might think, well, that doesn't make any sense to, to me. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to you. All that matters is that God said it. You don't think, but I want to live the way I want to live and still be saved. You can't. You've got to confess and forsake your sins or God is not going to have mercy on you. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Now, what do you mean repent? Repent of what? Change of mind leading to a change of action. A change of mind about what? 
How about Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. We many times talk, talk about those as being the first principles. One of the first principles is repentance from dead works. So when we're talking about repentance, we're talking about changing our mind about sin. Like I said, if you're living in adultery, repentance means you're changing your mind in regard to that adultery you're planning on quitting. If you have a foul mouth, you're changing your mind in regard to cussing and taking the Lord's name in vain. And that's going to change in your mind if you do it sincerely, it's going to lead to a change in action. You're going to clean up your foul mouth. Now, it might not, you might not be able to do it in three or four hours. It may take you three or four days or three or four weeks. But you're going to be working diligently to clean up that mouth, to get rid of those bad habits, and to get where you don't have a, uh, you don't use corrupt communication, as Ephesians 4, 28 and 29 forbid. We're not going to have a foul mouth. If you're going to repent of drinking, getting drunk, what does that mean? You got to repent from dead works. You repent of drinking. You repent of getting drunk. It means you make up your mind to quit drinking. You quit drinking. One last passage on this. Second Peter three nine. This kind of sums up what we've been saying. This is talking about in the context. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. It says in Second Peter three nine, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word long-suffering, an old King James word, it's kind of similar to our word patience. God is patient toward us. That's why he keeps putting off the second coming of Christ, because when Christ comes, everybody who's alive, they're going to live eternally in the state that they're called in at the second coming of Christ. So he keeps putting it off, giving people a chance to repent so they can avoid perishing. He's patient not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That proves again that you got to repent to avoid spiritual perishing, just like what we saw in Luke 13, 3. If you don't repent, you're going to perish. No ifs, ands, buts. There are buts about it, you know. And, and you can't say, yeah, but I think that God will forgive me without repentance. It's not for you to make the rules. It's not for your preacher to make the rules. Oh, but it's too hard to have to repent of all my sins. It's not for you to make the rules and to say what's hard and what's not hard. God said that if you want to avoid perishing, you have to come to repentance. I didn't write that. God did. He means what he says. And it, it's, it, it must be possible if God said that we had to do it. It must be possible to repent of your sins if God said you had to do it to be saved, to avoid perishing. That's what we have to do. We have to repent. You know, I think we know that. Most of us really know that. They know, we know that if we're in sin, that that's not going to be acceptable to God unless we repent, unless we make up our mind we're going to quit. We know that. That's what the Bible teaches over and over again. You say, but well, but I've, I've, I've already become a Christian, so I'm going to be saved no matter what. This doctrine of once saved, always saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches, as we pointed out from Acts 8.22 and 1 John 1, nine. That a person that's a Christian, when he sins, he has to repent of that sin. He has to confess that sin and ask God to forgive him. If he's not willing to repent, if he doesn't confess that sin, he won't be forgiven. He'll lose his salvation. And the Bible's clear on that. You've got to repent 
in order to be forgiven of your sins, both to become a Christian and both, and again, after you become a Christian, when you sin. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. You know, last week we had so many calls, I couldn't, some of them I didn't get to, didn't have time, had too many calls. Maybe y'all could even it out a little bit. <laughs> On one of these days where there's not as many calls, save your calls for those days. Lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. So this doctrine of once saved, always saved is saying, really, if you're a Christian, you don't have to repent to be forgiven of your sins. Now, that's false. We just talked about how that you do have to always repent to be forgiven of your sins. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Ray from Idaho, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I just had a question about baptism that you were talking about a little ways ago when I was on the road. Uh, is it? Are you suggesting that baptism is required to be in God's favor? Yes. Mark, I could give you a number of verses, Ray, that prove that conclusively. For example, well, not, Jesus said in Mark, Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen, he that uh-huh. believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So just no, like I, belief is, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about the guy on the cross beside Jesus, yeah. uh, the yeah. thief. He he yeah. said, "Remember me in your kingdom." And Jesus said, "You're going to be with me today." With, yeah, and the that's guy, right. The guy didn't. The guy didn't get baptized. Yeah, there were there were there's millions of people under the Old Testament law that didn't have to be baptized to be saved. The thief lived under the old law, so he didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve were never baptized. Moses was never baptized. Abraham was never baptized. Noah was never baptized. Ray, why was Moses never baptized? Why was Abraham never baptized, Ray? They were in a covenant with God. The the, uh, Israelites were in a covenant with God. Right. And in that covenant, you can search all the way from Genesis to Malachi. It never talks about water baptism. Am I right? Uh Uh-huh. So, right. so Noah and Abraham and Moses, they didn't have to be baptized because they lived under the Old Testament law. I mean, now think about the thief on the cross. Uh-huh. Hebrews 9, 16 and 17 says, it's talking about a testament, like a last will and testament. It says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. So just like my parents, they wrote their wills in the 1970s. They didn't go into effect until the, the second parent died in 2010. The testament or the last will and testament doesn't go into effect until after the death of the testator. That's the point of Hebrews 9. So the new oh. covenant law, Ray, did not go into effect until after the death of Jesus on the first day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So the thief didn't have to be baptized because he lived under the Old Testament law, the same as Moses, the same as Joshua, the same as Caleb. Those were guys who were faithful to God, but they were never baptized. They didn't have to. The Old Testament never told them to. The thief died living under the Old Testament law. It's not until after Jesus dies and is resurrected before he tells us in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, the Great Commission. Does that make sense, Ray? Yeah, and and there is one in Acts, I think it's 1632, that says, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And it didn't say a word about baptism. Yeah, 
You know, no, there's never going to be a single verse in the Bible that's going to be long enough to tell you everything you have to do. For example, Acts 16, verse 30 doesn't tell you a person that he has to repent to be saved. Do you think a person has to repent to be saved, Ray? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, but, but so Acts 16, 30 just says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't mention repentance, but it's not saying believe only. It's not trying to tell you everything you have to do to be saved. It's just saying you do have to believe to be saved. The, Ray, the fact that it leaves off repentance in Acts 16.30, that didn't prove you don't have to be, you don't have to repent to be saved. Am I right? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> the fact that it leaves off baptism or confession with the mouth, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 requires, that doesn't mean you don't have to be baptized. It doesn't mean you don't have to confess. It's, it's, you're not going to ever find one verse that tells you all the truth. But when you said that, I thought you were going to have us turn to Acts 22, verse 16. Let me read you that, Ray. Saul of Tarsus, of course, believed the, the, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Paul believed in him. He was called Saul at that time. Later, he's Paul the Apostle. He believed in Jesus, but three days later, Ananias told Saul, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see how Saul's sins were washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized, not three days previous when he believed in Jesus. You follow me, Ray? Okay, yeah. That makes sense? And and I had understood that about the, uh, uh, in Romans, it talks about going under the water and coming back up a new creation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Romans 6, 3, and 4 says you're, verse 3 says you're baptized into Christ. Which means until you're baptized, you don't have a relationship with Christ. Then verse 4 says, when you come up out of that water, you start walking in newness of life. So that's when you start become that new person. You're born again. You're born, the born again process is culminated in your baptism. You follow me, Ray? Okay. Earlier in the program, I read Acts 2 verse 38. Peter was talking to believers and he told them to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So that sounds like to me, you've got to be baptized to get the remission of sins. You think? Okay. How about 1 Peter 3.21? It says, baptism doth also now save us. Do you think, Ray, that God would say baptism saves us if we didn't have to be baptized to be saved? Oh, okay. That, that would be totally confusing. I mean, now this is when it says baptism say when it says baptism saves us. It's not trying to say baptism is the thing that does the trick that it earns our salvation. No, it's the blood of Christ is the thing that pays for our salvation. Baptism oh, is just absolutely. like belief, Ray. It's just yeah. baptism. Belief and baptism are just conditions we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. And that's why Jesus said, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." It takes both. Ray, appreciate your call. Oh, okay. And and I just had one more quick question, if I could. Go ahead. Uh, no, it was this was Matthew uh, 6, uh, 28 and 29. It said, uh, the, I, I think it was the religious leaders who asked Jesus, what must I do? Uh, what works must I do to be saved? And Jesus answered him by saying, believe in the one who sent me. Yeah, so that's not in Matthew, it's in John 6, and I'm going to turn there and read that because it's interesting. In John chapter 6, and I'm turning there, if you turn there too if you have time, 
in verse 28, just like he said, they're talking to Jesus and they say, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, God that you believe on him in whom he hath sent. So you know what that proves, right? Is that actually believing in Christ is a work. So if you don't have to do any works to be saved, that would mean you don't have to believe to be saved because Jesus calls belief a work here in John 6, 28, 29. This oh, is yeah, the work okay. of God that you believe on him and who you have sent. So we got to believe, true. and that's a work. Ray, I'm going to have to go off the air. Appreciate the call, okay? All right. Thank you. So i got to go off the air in 30 seconds. If you would like that free one-hour phone Bible study with me, whenever it would be convenient for you, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study to your convenience. Call or text me at 256 256- 682-9753. 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening tonight. Be sure and listen next week at this same time.